Welcome into the Locked On Rangerbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of the Morning Rush, which you can catch every weekday morning from 6 to 9 on ESPN Arkansas. You can also check out our website at hitthatline.com for all types of great interviews, podcasts, articles, videos, whatever it is dealing with the Arkansas Razorbacks. Be sure to check it out at hitthatline.com. So many things to get into in the podcast coming out from the weekend, and I also apologize for my congestion. That's what the beautiful weather apparently does to me in the month of February. Makes me a little congested, but that's okay. We're going to get through it all as we'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, some of the nonsense that went along with it, and of course we'll have to start with the big news. Saturday. Arkansas basketball beats LSU on the road. How? The LSU Tigers, 17-3, 7-0. That's what they were in SEC play heading into the weekend. And now they're 17-4, 7-1. Arkansas with the 90-89 victory over the LSU Tigers. And what was a very weird, very tough, very excruciating type of game to watch at times, but either way, Arkansas gets the victory. You got to admit, though, there's something about Daniel Gafford and LSU that just works. There's something about them two pairing up where Daniel Gafford has the best game of his life because he goes down and has 23 points on 11 of 15 shooting, 32 minutes, did foul out of the game, which we'll get into here in just a second, but he was the key piece in making the game really what it was because you knew that he was going to have to have a big game so that's where where it came down to it was also nice to see Isaiah Joe who had been battling illness get back into the rhythm of things he had 18 points four of eight from shooting the three-point ball Mason Jones did his own thing adding in 10 Jalen Harris had 11 points there but the real story that elevated Arkansas and got him to the point where they were uh, able to put win this game was Keyshawn Embry Simpson do you know who he is if you don't I don't blame you. I'm not surprised by it. But either way, he gets a big game where he shoots four of six from three-point land, six of nine from the field. 16 points is what he finishes with, and that's coming off the bench. Now, LSU had their own run. They did their own thing. They had some really nice play by a few of, of the players that uh, had a good game against Arkansas the first time these two teams played. But what it really came down to is that Arkansas at one point had an 18-point lead because they were shooting so well. They were at a point shooting over 60% from the field. Now, he still managed to shoot only 63% from the free throw line, but they didn't really get that many opportunities to shoot the free throws. But Arkansas maintained their hot shooting. LSU had a, a bounce back where they got on a run because Arkansas was up by 18. LSU goes on a run, and it's back and forth. Looks like LSU is finally going to take the game away. But great play by Mason Jones late in the game with just mere... 15 seconds on the clock in regulation, and Arkansas gets out of there with a victory. So there's a fourth few things I want to point out from this game. One is that this is the Arkansas team that people saw at the beginning of the season that they were hoping to see consistently throughout the whole season. They saw a team that shot the ball well, that made good decisions, that had their playmaker Gafford get the ball in his hand plenty of times look for him if you will they had a guy come off the bench and Embry Simpson that was able to hit, make some shots and get some baskets for him there, there was a this was the type of team that we expected to see all season long now unfortunately we didn't get that all season long and we all know that that's what they're at right now I mean but 
what you're hoping for is that this is going to be the game that can spark Razorbacks basketball back into the mix for a possible NCAA tournament bid. Now, before anyone starts jumping out of their seats and yelling at me, let me just phrase this the way that uh, hopefully we can all be on the same page. Arkansas is not a team that's in the NCAA tournament right now. They're not. Not right now. Now, give them some time, and if they keep playing as well as they played against LSU, which is going to be tough to do, but if they keep playing the game that they're supposed to play, where they get the most out of everybody each game, with the way that the schedule sets up, you have 10 games left in, regu- in regular season play. I don't see a reason why this team can't win seven of those. And so a lot of you are probably saying, well, I'm crazy because I'm stupid. I'm just, this is me living in the prisoner, being a prisoner of the moment. But look at this. Arkansas plays Vanderbilt tomorrow. The worst team in the SEC by far. They play Vanderbilt. That's a win at Bud Walton. They go to South Carolina. South Carolina in SEC plays 6-2, 11-10 overall. But if Arkansas was to find a way to get that road game, which is very possible because, again, South Carolina is not unbeatable. They're just really playing well right now. So is LSU. Then Arkansas has a trip to on the road to Missouri after that. So if they won those three games, which I would say are three winnable games, because Missouri's horrible and Vanderbilt's horrible. So those two, two you should win no matter what. But if you got the win against South Carolina, you're on a three-game win streak heading to Mississippi State to take them on at home. Mississippi State, who's a borderline top 25 team, they're bounced out of the top 25 this week, but they're at least a bona fide NCAA tournament team. And then if you won that one, that would put you at 4-0 in those four, first four games coming forward. And you'd have to go on the road to Auburn, which you probably won't win. But just think about that. You're sitting at 4-4. Four and four. If you win those four, which I know is a stretch, I know it's going to be tough, but say if they did, which they could because they're winnable games. You're at 8-4 and four right now in the SEC. You'd be 17-8 and eight with quality wins, at least a few quality wins, over some NCAA tournament caliber teams. It'll at least get you in the conversation. And that's really what it's all about right now. Just getting into the conversation of the NCAA tournament. I'm not going to bet on them to make it. I wouldn't I wouldn't even try to argue that they're going to make it. But I'm just telling you guys that I've seen crazier things happen, and we know that Mike Anderson and his teams are capable of making runs, especially when they get put their backs against the wall. But this is something that I, I think that they can really get going. It's a spark. Can it light something, though? Can it light the rest of the season on fire and get this team going? Time will tell. But a few other things that I wanted to mention, too, because that was number one that I got from this game. The other things I want to mention was that the officiating that a lot of people talked about, because if you listen to the show on the Morning Rush, you know that Tommy Kraft is is an official. He's a basketball referee, a football referee. He knows a lot about officiating. He has a lot of friends that are officiating. So, you know, I When it comes to officials, I think that, listen, if they're bad, I, I usually look at it from, okay, are they bad because they're making the right calls, but it's just killing the flow of the game? Or are they bad because they're inconsistent? Because I think that there's, uh, you can have it both ways and they still be considered bad. I felt in this game that for the most part, they were bad because they were inconsistent. I think that there was a lot of calls they made that were the correct calls. But then there were other blatant calls, like Isaiah Joe getting tackled, that didn't make the call. So people who point at the free throw discrepancy, don't ever use that as an excuse. Don't use that as a reason or at least a justification of you 
claiming that Arkansas was terrible or got a terrible officiate, uh, officiating job done to them. Don't, don't ever use that as an excuse. That's a bad one. But I do believe that the officials in this game were not good. They did not go with the flow of the game, and I don't care if they were making the right call, calls or not. There needs to be something in play to like make this game make games watchable. More fouls does not make games more watchable. Especially ticky tack fouls. That does not make the games more watchable. It makes them, if anything, less watchable. So the officials were not great. But and from all that, Arkansas was able to overcome all that. But the play of the game was not Mason Jones hitting a shot with about 15 seconds left to go in the game. That wasn't the play of the game. The play of the game was the absolutely ridiculous decision by LSU and Tremont Waters to try to throw an alley-oop with 36 seconds left to go in the game, 20-some-odd seconds left on the shot clock. LSU had possession of the ball, and they were up one. And they tried to throw an alley-oop, and it failed miserably. It was an errant pass. It went off the LSU player, went off the back of the backboard, and Arkansas gets the ball back. I could not understand any reason why that that play was made. I, I couldn't, I didn't get it. And luckily for Arkansas, it gave him a chance. It didn't win the game, but it gave him the chance. And they took advantage of that chance and that opportunity and made the basket. So it all goes hand in hand. It all played out a certain way. But it's amazing to me how, you know, we're sitting here and after a win like that, and those of you who have been critical of Mike Anderson, which I have too, and those of you who have been defending Mike Anderson, now you find yourself in a really precarious situation to where you're like, okay, that's a really nice win, but you got to see more. It's one thing to just shoot lights out in one game. If, if the Razorback basketball team and Mike Anderson are serious about doing something this season, we got to find out, was this the exception or was this the rule? Is this going to be the way they play for the rest of the way? Are they finally starting to get it? Or is this just a team that got hot at the right time on the road against LSU? Your schedule sets up nicely. They will have some tough matchups in front of them. But I do not believe that this is a game and this is a team and this is a season where Arkansas can afford any more dropbacks, can afford any more slouches or slumps. They can't have it. They got to come out and they got to come out firing the rest of the way. Because if, folks, if, and that is a big if, they make the NCAA tournament, you may not like it, but Mike Anderson will be around for a lot longer. Because if he can make it to the NCAA tournament with this team, there's no telling what they're going to do the rest of the way. So it's a great win for Mike Anderson, a great win for Arkansas, but they got to show more than just a simple win randomly in the middle of the season to make me a believer out of me. You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, moving on into the next segment of the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I'm sure most of you watched the Super Bowl. Ugh. What, what, like, it was just a terrible game. And I know that most people don't care about the game, but 13-3, to the Patriots win. Yay. Tom Brady wins his sixth Super Bowl. Yay. I mean, it did nothing for me. In fact, I would say everything about the Super Bowl was completely and totally underwhelming. I did like the food that I had. 
actually got to go over Tommy's. We had barbecue and some great dips. So uh, I was a fan of that. That was nice. But the commercials sucked. The halftime show sucked. The game sucked. Everything surrounding the Super Bowl sucked. And I don't know if there's ever going to be a fix to it. And I don't know. Maybe I just need to accept that this is the way it is. Maybe. Maybe. Just maybe this is what I need to accept. But I'm not going to because I'm I'm hard-headed, I guess. But anyways, uh, let's start with the uh, the... <laughs> The game itself. So, the Rams didn't score a single touchdown. They didn't even make it past the Patriots' 26-yard line. And this is an offense that was extremely prolific as the season went on. Now, the Patriots did actually did score one touchdown, and Tom Brady didn't score, throw a single touchdown, which is the craziest thing. But I got to make sure that everyone understands that there's a difference between bad football and boring football. This was not a bad football game, I should say. And I should have prefaced that when I started. This wasn't a bad football game. It was a boring football game. There was no real drama. There's no real entertainment. There weren't really any big plays. Uh, there was no storyline to it all. There was no come from behind deal. There was there was nothing like that. It was just a very boring game. And again, that's not saying it's bad football, because bad football would have been Lots of turnovers, lots of penalties, errant throws all over the place. Just would have been a, that type of game, but it really wasn't. It was just a really good defensive battle, and I think this is why Bill Belichick is one of the best coaches to ever coach in the game is his attention to detail is what shows out in games like this. And you're talking about the Rams, who had an offense that Really, no one had an answer for. No one could stop, and they could make plays when they needed to. And Jared Goff, it's not like he's an elite player or elite quarterback by any stretch. He, he's just – I think Sean McVay is just a great play caller. So, with all those things considered, I think that it was a great situation for uh, for the Rams as far as going up against Brady for a scoring – if they could just score – two or three touchdowns like they had every game, that's what you expected out of them. And they were like, okay, well, that's why the Rams would have won. But it's just a great defensive performance by Bill Belichick and the, and the Patriots defense. And I'm not a Patriots fan. I can't stand Tom Brady, but I respect him as the greatest quarterback of all time. And this is just furthering his claim to that throne. I know he didn't play well, but still, six Super Bowls. Six. Can't deny the fact that the guy's not the GOAT. So that happened. Now I want to move on to the halftime performance. Listen, I'm all cool with, like, Maroon 5 and Travis Scott, whoever that is. Um, Big Boy from Outcast, okay. But I don't know what I was watching. It started off with Adam Levine and Maroon 5, and I was like, okay, here's a few songs. And then it went right into Travis Scott and... I it, it got censored the whole time because uh, of his swearing. I mean, I don't know what was going on. I don't know what I was watching. And I'm sure a lot of you didn't either. So when, then that ended, and then it goes back to Maroon 5. I was like, okay. Still not great from Maroon 5, but okay. And then out comes Big Boy from Outcast, which I love Outcast. I'm not a huge fan of Outcast. Obviously, it's not the full team of Outcast because it's missing Andre 3000, but Big Boy, hey, that's half of Outcast, so that's half as good. So I was really excited when excited when he came out because I was thinking, okay, well at least we'll get some songs that we know. Comes out and he does one song and he does "I Like the Way You Move," a verse from that. I was like, okay, and that was it. 
That was it. That's all they gave him. That's all he played. He just came out in a fur coat, did a verse from, I like the way you move, and that was it. And I was just like, okay. And that was more Maroon 5. And I'm just looking there at this halftime show. And it's nothing against Maroon 5 and any of those guys. Because, again, I like them as artists. I respect them as artists. But I just don't understand how, more often than not, at the halftime show of the Super Bowl, where all the television audiences are watching, when you have all the money and expenses that you could possibly throw at anybody you wanted, and it seems like you always fall short. Now, last year's Justin Timberlake was awesome. I was a big fan, but that's maybe me being biased. I thought that he, as weird as it was, I did think at least the Super Bowl halftime show with uh, Bruno Mars, Coldplay, and Beyonce had some entertainment. I didn't know about what Beyonce was doing in it, but that still, it was good, good performance, and it was entertaining from that regard. But all, that was like it from the past 10 years. There's been two performances I can remember that have been any good. And I just don't understand how they continue to mess up on this, how they continue to fail at this point. I really don't know. And then to cap it all off, the Super Bowl commercials. What has happened? I mean, what, what really has come forth? What has been decided in the history of Super Bowl to where it's like, okay, we know commercials are important. Because so many people love commercials, Super Bowl commercials. And we have a lot of money we're going to throw into this because so many people are watching. But we're not going to make them funny anymore. We're either, one, going to try way too hard, or two, we're going to send some type of social political message. And that seems to be it. And if that's what you want to do, hey, spend your money the way you want. But I, I didn't see any commercials last night that were worth my time. The only one that I, I did kind of like was the NFL commercial where it had all the uh, former Hall of Fame greats just playing football with each other, tackling, running, throwing. I mean, there were some funny parts in that. I, I liked that commercial. I did. But besides that, it, it was nothing that did anything for me. And so I was just like, I, I, what, what point? Is it that hard to be funny? Is it that hard to just have a good commercial without trying too hard or have not have one with some political message like there was like three commercials that had girl football players in it which hey if you're a girl and you want to play football that's fine but why like they were just making up these girls that were football players it's like okay cool but i i don't understand this i don't know what what what's the point of doing this over and over again when you could have done something that would have stuck with a lot more of your audience? But that's not what it's about anymore. It's about being woke, I guess. So, but anyways, it wasn't for me. I didn't really care for anything about the Super Bowl. Again, the food was the best thing. I like the food, uh, and that's it. And that's really all I can say about it. But anyways, it was fun. It was entertaining from the perspective of uh, maybe the pre post game press conference. I love Gronkowski, so you know he's getting crazy while tonight so i appreciated that too but yeah overall the super bowl doesn't do it for me give me college football all day long you are locked on razorbacks your daily arkansas razorbacks podcast well, appreciate everybody listening in to the Locked On Razorbacks podcast today. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on iTunes. You can do it on Google Play. It's on Spotify. It's on Stitcher. However you listen to podcasts, it's there, I promise you. So be sure to hit that subscribe button. 
And if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you can always tweet at me at Rush John Neighbors. Be sure to remember that as well. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We will see you then. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 